Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Cheer up your pilgrims, be joyful and sing. Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration, music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and HMS Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. Rejoice, ye pure in heart, rejoice, give thanks and sing, your festal banner wave on high, the cross of Christ your King. Rejoice, 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 give thanks and sing. With all the angel choirs, with all the saints on earth, pour out the strains of joy and bliss, true rapture, noblest mirth. Rejoice, 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 give thanks and sing. Still lift your standard high, still march in firm array, as warriors through the darkness toil, till dawns the golden day. Rejoice, 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 rejoice give thanks and sing. Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy mercies to us. We thank thee for life. We thank thee for a new day, a new week. Bless all of us, we pray thee, and help us to be faithful to thee and return to thee our loyalty and the support of thy work in the world. In Jesus' name. There is a place of Sin cannot molest 
Sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God. Dearest friend I've ever known 
Now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker, who will discuss tips or tithe. A writer in the Baptist Watchman Examiner says that one day he was the dinner guest of a certain well-to-do man at a high-class hotel. The waiters were very efficient. The food was good. When the meal was finished, the waiter brought the check to the host, who examined it, frowned a bit, said nothing. As he rose to depart, says the writer in telling of the incident, I observed that he laid some coins at the edge of the plate, though I did not see what denomination they were. The waiter stood nearby and smiled happily, which, of course, can be interpreted that the tip was satisfactory. We are all familiar with this custom of tipping. It's a sort of parable of truth. As we think about it, we wonder how many thousands or millions of coins are used as tips throughout our nation and the world. The standard tip is about 10% of the amount of the check. At least it was until a few years ago. Now is somewhat higher. We may compare tips with tithe, and when we do, we're compelled to admit that thousands of people who go to church do not treat God as well as they do the waiter or waitress who serves them. They give the waiter the tithe or 10%, but they give God just whatever they think will get by. Why is this? Do they fear the waiter more than they fear God? Or do they love God less than they love the waiter? Do we give God the tithe of our income, or do we give him only a tip now and then? Are we more careful in our tipping than we are in our tithing? I'm speaking now especially to every Christian, every church member within the sound of my voice, no matter what your church affiliation may be. Do you recognize God as the ruler of this world? Do you recognize that you owe him everything? The cattle upon a thousand hills are his, Psalm 50, verse 10. The whole earth is his. He made it. Every ton of coal, every gallon of petroleum, every ounce of uranium, every drop of water going over the falls, every breath of air, all his. And we are his, not only by creation, but by redemption. God has created the human race. God has redeemed them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The work of God cannot be carried on successfully in this world without reasonable, regular financial support. The tithing plan is explained in Leviticus, the 27th chapter. One-tenth of the increase or profit belongs to God. He has reserved that for the carrying on of his work. Anciently, the tithe was used for the support of those who ministered about holy things in the temple. As we read in Numbers, the 18th chapter, the Bible says, and we read it here in the New Testament, that this tithing plan has been ordained for the support of the gospel ministry. Let us read it in 1 Corinthians 9:13. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so, that is in the same way, hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. It was successful in the Old Testament days. It's a good plan and recommended here by the Apostle Paul. Our Lord Jesus Christ endorsed the tithing plan. 
hear his words in Matthew 23, 23, speaking to the religious leaders of his time, Woe unto you, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. These men were very careful in tithing, even the lesser things as the herbs of their gardens, but they omitted other matters. Jesus said they should have done both. They should have been careful about their tithing. They should not have omitted the weightier matters of judgment, mercy, and faith. Is there a danger that we might be making a similar mistake? Remember this. There is sometimes a lack of God's blessing upon us, upon our money and prosperity, when God is not honored and obeyed in financial affairs. We read in Malachi 3, 8, Will a man rob God? That's quite a startling question, isn't it? Yet ye have robbed me, he says. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. And it's a fact. Almost every nation is a nation of robbers, as far as God's tithe is concerned. How can we receive all the blessings of God? Health. Every heartbeat. The blue sky. The breathable air. In spite of the contaminants of our modern civilization. Food, clothing, friendship, and the hope of heaven. And not return to God that which is his. We receive the use of our faculties, our reason. We plan, work, carry on our business, yet we forget God so completely we have nothing for his service. God promises to bless those who are faithful in their payment of the tithe. We read on in Malachi 3.10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Friends, why not try it? God says, prove me now herewith. Anciently the tithe was paid in the form of grain or other produce of the field and the flock. It was brought into the tabernacle and later into the temple, where there were special rooms or treasuries for its storage. It was used for the purpose appointed by God, the maintenance of the teaching ministry of his special servants, the priests and Levites. In the Christian church, God has his treasury, his storehouse. Officers are selected by his people to be in charge of the financial arrangements and responsibilities of his work. Even the church treasurer has no choice, no option, as Carlisle B. Haynes reminds us in his book, The Legion of the Tenth, regarding the use of the tithe. This is money which belongs to God. It must be used in God's way. He declares that the tithe is holy, just as the Sabbath day is holy and set apart from all other days. So the tithe is set apart from all other money. It is different because it is holy. It belongs to God. It is to be used for the promotion of God's work in the world. God promises a blessing to all who are faithful in tithe-paying. Prove me now herewith, he says. Why not try it? Why not try him? Years ago, Albert A. Hyde, who became one of the wealthiest men in Wichita, Kansas, found himself out of money and $50,000 in debt. 
As he started a new business, he opened his Bible to the 28th chapter of Genesis and drew a ring around the 22nd verse. Of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. A doctor whom Mr. Hyde had known for some time had given him a prescription for an ointment which he had been using in his private practice and suggested that it might be put on the market as a commercial commodity. That ointment was nothing more nor less than mentholatum, which is now sold everywhere. Mr. Hyde kept his promise, and his giving has been very much in excess of the tenth or tithe. He contributed largely to the YMCA in his own city. He supported a missionary steamboat in Africa, three missionaries in China, one in Japan, one in India, seven in the United States, besides many private charities which few besides Mr. Hyde himself knew anything about. Almost everybody has heard of the experience of William Colgate. As a boy of 16, he had to leave home to make a living. As he trudged along the towpath in the old canal boat days, the captain of one of the boats, who knew him well, stopped him and asked, Where are you going, William? I don't know, but I must make a living for myself. There's no trouble about that. Be sure you start right, and you'll get along all right. William told his friend that the only trade he knew anything about was soap-making and candle-making. Well, said the old gentleman, let me pray for you once more, and then I will give you some advice. They knelt down by the towpath of the canal and prayed. Then the captain said, Someone will soon be the leading soap-maker in New York. It can be you as well as anyone, and I hope it may be. Be a good man and give your heart to Christ. Make an honest soap and give a full pound. Give the Lord all that belongs to him out of every dollar you earn, and I am certain you will yet be a prosperous and rich man. And so it turned out. The lonely boy began in a small way in New York City. The first dollar he earned brought up this very question, what is God's part? He read in the Bible that the ancient Israelites were to give one-tenth to God, so he did. Ten cents of every dollar was sacred to the Lord. As his business began to grow, he instructed his bookkeeper to open an account for God and to place one-tenth of all his profit in that account. Later he gave the Lord two-tenths and prospered more than ever. Then he gave three-tenths, then four, then five. William Colgate gave millions to the cause of God and left a name that will never die. Jesus said, Freely ye have received, freely give. Matthew 10, verse 8. Some of us are much like United States Senator Vardiman's sharecropper in the way we treat the Lord. It is said that he once rented a plot of several acres to one of his neighbors. The land was to be planted in corn, and the senator, then an ex-governor, was to receive one-fourth of the crop. In due time, the corn was harvested, but the senator did not see any wagon pull up to his corn crib. In fact, he received nothing. On meeting the sharecropper one day, he said, Look here, Sam. Have you harvested your corn? Yes, sir, long ago. Well, wasn't I to get a fourth? Yes, sir, indeed you were. But there wasn't any fourth. There were only three loads, and they were mine. Doesn't that illustrate the way some of us treat God? We say, there isn't any tenth. There are only nine tenths, and I use that. I once baptized a man who insisted on keeping his wallet in his pocket when he went down into the water. He said, I want my pocketbook baptized too. And that's a good sign. Old Captain Webb, one of John Wesley's preachers, was in the habit of asking concerning every rich man who was converted, 
is his purse converted? That agrees with the conviction of Dr. Adam Clark, the great commentator, who used to say that he didn't believe in a religion that cost a man nothing. It was Jesus himself who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20, verse 35. Jesus has given everything for us, even his precious life on Calvary's cross. Have we no appreciation? Is there no response in our hearts? Again, the question comes, will a man rob God? There are some people, of course, who say, well, I can't be a Christian and do that way. Can't I be a Christian without giving, without sacrificing? There was the thief on the cross. He didn't give anything to the church. One minister in a camp meeting up in the northern part of the United States spoke on this subject of Christian giving and sacrifice. He later met a man on the campground and asked him if he was a member of the church. No, he said, the dying thief never united with the church. He was saved. Did you ever sit at the Lord's table and take communion? No, the dying thief never did, and he was accepted. Have you ever given any of your money for missions? No, the dying thief never did, and he was not judged for it. Why should I give anything? Why should I pay tithe to God? The dying thief didn't have to, and he was saved. Well, my friend, the minister said, there's a difference between you and the dying thief. And that difference seems to be that he was a dying thief and you're a living one. And so the question comes to each of us, are we robbing God? What about your church? Is it adequately supported? Is your pastor continually compelled to carry on campaigns to raise money to keep the work of God going? Should he not rather be able to give his entire time to gospel work to which he was ordained? If all the Christians in the land were converted on the matter of money, and should become tithers, giving to God his own in the tithe as well as free will offerings. The cause of Christ would go much more rapidly in this old world, and spiritual blessings would be poured out upon the givers. So I urge upon every hearer, support your church in God's way, and you will receive God's blessing. Let us think on this subject and read what the Bible has to say about it. And remember that this applies to all of us, not merely to those who are wealthy. Every one of us needs to sacrifice for God, and all we need, we need to give God what belongs to him, too. We do not give the tithe, we pay that. We give our offerings. Let us look into our own hearts and see if there isn't a well of gratitude which flows out toward God. Let us begin to count our blessings, and I believe we will decide, as did God's servant of old, that of all that God gives us, we will return the tenth unto him. So we say in the words of the old hymn of Johnson Oatman, Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Bills you are tempest-tossed When you are discouraged Thinking all is lost Count your many blessings Name them one by one And it will surprise you What the Lord hath done Count your blessings Name them one by one Count your blessings See what God hath done Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count
many blessings see what God hath done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. This is Orville Iverson urging you to join us in this great radio mission of faith by inviting some friend or neighbor to tune in next week. Remember also that we appreciate your prayers. May the Lord richly bless you as you continue to look up, going forward in faith. And now, here with a final word for you is H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Have faith in God. All our life is but alone. Have faith in God, still reaping where we have sown. Have faith in God and return to Him His own. Have faith, dear friend in God. We trust you've enjoyed this broadcast today, and we invite you to join us again next week, same time, same stations, for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. And now we say to one and all, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.